0: This is Being Healthy with Dr. Christian Bramwell, discussing all things health, fitness, and wellness. The opinions provided should not be viewed as medical advice, and remember, please consult with your doctor before making any changes to your diet or habits. Thanks again for listening, guys.
1: Hey, Chris. Hey, what's
0: up? Uh, not much. Did you see that? Uh, I think Cedric Benson passed away.
1: The running back for the Bears.
0: Yeah, I, I just so I didn't see the story, but I saw the headline. I think it said uh, Cedric. I think it said a uh, former Longhorns NFL running back Benson dies at 36.
1: Dang! Did say why? Or not yet.
0: Well, I didn't I didn't read the headline it might have said, but I didn't read it.
1: Okay. Dang, it's sad. Hopefully it wasn't like man, hopefully it's just not not another suicide, you know what I mean? It's like you hate to see it like, you know, for the people that, you know, made us you know what I mean? Like I enjoyed watching them play and just sad to think that, you know, that's what he we went that's how we want. This is, yeah. you know, for taking well, those hits for our entertainment.
0: Well, if it was CTE, they probably would have said C T E in the like suicide CTE suspected or possible because it's such a big thing. It would, it would make sense if it was a suicide, they would have said um, like it was a, it was a, could be CTE related. Like his junior say and a couple other big name NFL players uh, killed themselves from that. And Dave Mira, who was a BMX biker, he uh, took his life from after suffering from CTE too.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And like oh, I said man, hope man, maybe it's just like you know, just some car it may just like a simple car accident, but I mean, maybe it was just a bigger problem than we thought it was.
0: No. Football's always been dangerous. That's that's never been anything new. What about um, like,
1: you know, the actual like help of the NFL helping out these guys? Do you think that I think that might have been lagging, if anything. Because you're right. Yeah, I guess you're right. Football's always dangerous. But how they handle these has that been well? Has that I don't know if the NFL should do a better job handling these things. You know what I mean? I'm sure like, need. see the, the get all probably. the help they need.
0: Yeah, the NFL probably won't. Um, but that's it's sort of up to the players to make those demands and stick with it. You know, if you're if you know the NFL is not going to take care of you, if you know the NFL is not going to look out for you, you. You need to do everything in your power to make sure that you're taken care of. Um, And if they're not – I mean, if they're not going to do it – like the older players did. They went and sued the league and stuck with it. Uh, It doesn't appear that they got much, but, you know, that's – nobody's going to give you stuff just because they should give you something. It's always got to be – to an extent, you have to force someone's hand or take it. Uh, And that's what these players have to do. You know, they're – they hold – not all the power, but they have a great amount of leverage because you only have a select few people in the world who can do what they do. You know, if yep. you don't use that leverage that you have to get what you want, then you can't really expect someone to just give it out of the goodness of their heart.
1: Mm. That's true. You got to be a little smart. got to definitely got to be smart, man. So, like, if I was in the NFL, I definitely would have started having to live as cheap as possible, man. Just, just got to fight that lifestyle, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But you definitely can save – no reason not to save enough, you know what I mean? Even, like, the bottom tier guys get paid, like, half – half a million a year just to be on the roster.
0: You know what I mean? No, it's about, I think it's quarter million or 300,000, but they only hold on to 40 cents of every dollar they make uh, due to taxation, different representatives. And then, um, you know, if they have to take care of family or something like that. So then if let's say you're a mid to bottom tier guy, Mm-hmm. And over the course, of the average NFL career is three years. Let's say you make three hundred thousand a year, at nine hundred thousand a pop, forty cents on the dollar is three hundred sixty thousand over three years. And then if you have to like take try to take care of your family or help people once you get to the league, because there are a lot of guys that come from working class or poor. Um, like Bernie Kosar, he was a famous football player in the eighties. He like paid for he bought a whole bunch of like houses and cars and stuff for family. Um, you know, helped everybody out. There was another guy. What's his name? Leighton A. She plays for um, the Dallas Cowboys. He's from like a small town in Idaho. Mm-hmm. They like didn't have enough people that have playing really? there. So Tyron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tyron Smith. He plays for the Dallas Cowboys. He had to take out a restraining order on his mom and his stepdad because they kept uh, coming after him for more and more money. Um, and that was in his rookie contract. So he did that before he got his uh, second contract. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of guys. You have a lot of guys that lose their money for a lot of reasons. Like Mark Brunel, he lost all of his money due to like bad investments. Eddie I'd like George, to know, ba- uh, like like to know to more about these bad investments.
1: A lot of people lose money in bad investments. I want to know what these investments are. You know what I mean?
0: Well, I mean you have a, a any investment can go bad. It's just if you have the money to lose, then you can afford to spend it. The problem is if you make an investment in something, and it has to go right then you shouldn't be investing that money because you should always expect that the investment could go bad. So Eddie George was investing in homes and he was basically flipping houses, Mm -hmm. but he was holding on to something like 10 or 12 houses when uh, the recession hit. So he lost everything. Like he couldn't afford to to pay the taxes and manage the upkeep on 10 to 12 homes. There was no way he was going to be able to sell them and make back his money that he had invested in them. So he basically just had to file for bankruptcy and walk away from the homes. Uh, because it was just he got caught at a bad time. <clears throat> you remember Shidi Ahana He used to play for the Bucks?
1: Not really. How how's the to go when did he play for us?
0: Uh early two thousands. He was a defensive tackle. Um, but he lost everything due to again, uh lost it in the housing market and then got divorced. And by the time he by the time his uh You know, all the money was tallied up, the money that he'd lost, the money that he had to give up. Uh, He was back living at home with his mom at, you know, 35, 40 years old as a former professional athlete. So these guys, these guys lose. You always have the dumb guys who lose their money from doing stupid stuff. Like Pac-Man Jones talked about, like spending a million dollars in a strip club in one night. Uh, So there are definitely those guys out there. But you have a lot of guys that just spend their money helping people out or lose their money trying to be smart with their money and invest it um so you know there was a there was some guy my mom was telling me about he used to play back when like back in the early 90s but he lost all his money because of uh paying for prescription drugs because he had such uh his knees and his back were so messed up he spent all his money on the on the drugs that he was being prescribed
1: i can believe that oh by the way i'm also going to do a little cbd research trial here at augustine university What's, what's, what are you going to do with that? Pretty much you take 20 people with, like, chronic arthritic conditions. Um, 20 people. I'm going to put 20 people and 20 people. One group I'm going to give a CBD patch to. And the, but in both groups, I'm going to give, like, a baseline NSAID. And then I'm just going to measure people's inflammatory marker and pain scores before and after the, the trial. Okay. For the CBD trial, so right now I'm trying to figure out if CBD is, like, is an anti-pain effect. Or is it an anti-inflammatory? So because of that, okay. uh, we so because of that, I'm going to give a group of people they're both going to get like an NSAID like ibuprofen, uh, naproxen, something like that, and then I'm going to give one group a CBD patch and the other group, uh, no CBD patch, and I'm going to measure people's inflammatory markers and pain scores before and after the study to see how effective it is.
0: Okay. What what's a the CBD patch, it kind of sounds self-explanatory, but just to make sure, what is it?
1: So CBD is like the part, it's a compound of marijuana that doesn't necessarily get you high, but it does have like a lot of receptors in the body that can be, that is thought to use for like, you know, seizures, uh, for pain, for inflammation. So we're just trying to, and then, so with this one, we're trying to see if it's inflammation versus pain. And that's why I'm measuring, like you know, the inflammatory markers versus the uh, pain scores. Okay. Okay. Hey, man. So yeah, going. So do- it's sort of like
0: a pain patch, but with a uh, C- CBD in it. Yep. Okay. All right. How long is the? How long is that research project going to go on for?
1: I'm plan right now. I'm planning for doing it for two months, maybe three, uh, just depending what the what my uh, what my uh, faculty says.
0: Does. Will Augusta pay all the costs out of pocket, or is did they sort of make you split it with them, or how does that Oh, work? no,
1: yeah. No, it's, it's funded by the university. I'm running it through the research department right now to see if there's anything else they want to tinkered with. But, but, yeah, they approved it. And Then, uh, yeah, man, I don't, I don't have to pay for anything out of pocket, really. I just have to do, like, all the groundwork. You know what I mean?
0: Okay. All right. That sounds pretty good, man. I guess we'll see you in a, a medical journal or something like that at some point.
1: Yep, hopefully, I'm going to present at a conference, and yeah, man, hopefully I'd like to get this written up in, like, the Sports Medicine Medical Journal.
0: Okay, awesome, man. All right, so for today's episode, uh, we're going to discuss addiction in a general sense, but we're also going to sort of talk about how, how addiction has looked to us, or how, how drug addicts have, the type of addicts we've been around in our life. Uh, And the reason that I say the type of addicts that we've been around is because uh, Chris or Dr. Bramwell and I have both uh, come from private schools. Uh, We've gone to uh, medical school for Dr. Bramwell, law school for myself. Um, We both worked in, Dr. Bramwell works in a hospital. I've worked in corporate America, law firms, um, larger universities, uh, financial institutions. Um, And the way an addict looks in the worlds that we've come from and the worlds we've been in, looks very different than the stereotypical addict. Um, so we'll, we'll talk, Dr. Brennan will discuss addiction generally and sort of the health impacts um, and the health detriments of addiction. Um, but we'll also sort of talk about our experiences and what we've seen as signs of addiction for, I guess, people that are not, people that are in you know uh, corporate America and pro- that are productive, but also Still happen to be you know addicts in their in their personal life, um, so with that you know we'll just jump in, Dr. Bramwell, take us through uh, some of the things that you're you're seeing in regards to addiction, maybe nationally or or just in in the regards to the patients that you've seen
1: okay what about the okay so do we, do we already do the idle chit chat? was that what we were talking about with the football players and stuff? but yeah guys, so let me go into so let me go into the difference. So first of all, welcome to the podcast. So with Saeed Bramwell-Gordon co-host, I'm Dr. Bramwell, and you're being Health D with Dr. Bramwell and Saeed Gordon today. Welcome, everybody. You can find us at healthd.com. That is, again, H-E-A-L-T-H-D-Y.com, and our numerous social media platforms and contact information below. So we're going to talk about drugs today, drugs of abuse on this podcast, What you need to know how to avoid them, and I'm going to rank the top five worst drugs for y'all to know. Oh, yeah. So first, all, I just want to give a shout out to a, one of the best, to one of the good stories I've heard. So pretty much with doctors, it's, it can be really difficult dealing with people who are struggling with like mental health, especially substance abuse issues, because, you know, what they need is like a nice structured environment with medical professionals to help them out. And it's just hard to get. Like, let me ask you. How much do you think an inpatient or a, a rehabilitation a rehabilitation center costs to go to? Uh,
0: four to five thousand a
1: month. More. Oh wow! Uh, ten thousand a month. It can be as high as up to thirty thousand dollars for some spots, with just regular. With, and that's even with just like basic insurance. You know what I mean? That is something like yeah. my patients, especially here in the area, have to face because. It is a serious thing for recovering for, for substance abuse. And not many people realize how many resources need to go into it. So back in, back in Tampa, where we're coming from, oh, there's a new addiction uh, treatment center coming on uh, Riverside Drive in the Seminole Heights area, which I think is much needed. Because as doctors, it's hard, to, it's hard to place people who need the proper resources. But luckily with, luckily with more places like this, especially that offer outpatient rehabilitation services as they do, Uh, It can mean it can mean a night and day difference to helping people out who deserve it. And as I said, those with basic insurance. So, yeah, I'm excited for this. Of course, I know there are a couple other things that go into it, of course, like, you know, good social support structure and the will of the person itself. But we need these facilities. It's a big deal. I'm telling you. So shout out to Riverside Recovery Tampa.
0: Okay. all right. Well, I'll keep my eyes up for him in case I I see him when I'm driving around uh, Tampa.
1: OK. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you want to start us off with, Sid? I'll let you be the driver of this episode.
0: Uh, so the materials that you uh, sent my way, uh, the first thing on the list is uh, alcohol, meth, cocaine, heroin and fentanyl. And you were going to talk about the cost, the number of deaths associated with each one and the most common, uh, I guess, health outcomes, or that, that would probably be health detriments uh, that are linked to each one of those.
1: Yes. Yes, yes, sir. Good part to start. So for today's episode, we're covering drugs of abuse. So by drugs of abuse, so drugs of abuse are generally drugs that have a high, have a high index to harm people, but yet are used or effective in treating only a few amount of things. So here I have a list of the top five drugs of abuse here in the United States. And this is my own subjective list. And I gathered data from the CDC, Emory Healthcare, Harvard studies as the main three places where I gathered my data from. So just to give you all the quick rundown, number five, as far as Dr. Bramwell's top five drugs of abuse. Number five goes to fentanyl. Number four, opioid heroin compounds, including heroin itself. Number three is cocaine two methamphetamines and number one is alcohol so let me so you just want to start from the bottom and work our way upside i'll go from least harmful to the most harmful sound okay. good brother
0: okay all
1: right so first one is fentanyl so you've heard have you heard of fentanyl
0: yeah it's it's not it's not heroin or opiates but it's something really new and strong right
1: yep so fentanyl is so fentanyl is like is an anesthetic. It's what we use in it to numb people up uh, for for some for most surgeries. The reason doctors like it because it's very quick acting and you, get, you can put someone to sleep just like this. So fentanyl is of course any it's an anesthetic. So it so it relaxes you and it also does some pain uh, control as well too. So with it being very fast acting and anesthetic as well as for pain control. It is extremely addictive and has a high potency for abuse. So fentanyl okay. is one of the newer drugs, as you said. I would say it's been around. I Want to take a guess aside, how long has fentanyl been? How long has fentanyl been around for? Tough question, but I want to see how smart you are. You're a smart guy. Think, let me see if you can figure this out.
0: For recreational use or medical use?
1: Uh, just, just, uh, just how long do you think we've been using it here in America?
0: Yeah, uh, you mean like recreational use, like a yep. like drug like drug abuse, or you let's mean let's say the beginning.
1: Use? When was fentanyl first invented?
0: Mm, the fifties.
1: Close, nineteen sixty. Okay, all right. I told you he was a smart guy. So I, that's what, Vanderbilt Vanderbilt graduate right here, people. But yeah, <laughs> it, it was created by Paul Jansen in the sixties, and yeah, it's used pretty much it's used for pain control and it has an anesthetic. But the, one of the reasons why it's abused so. Starting off with one of my first how is how much it's cost? It is super cheap. So pretty much a dose of fentanyl, about 100 micrograms, costs about 50 to 60 cents. So it is dirt cheap to get. And because of that, it's, it's easier to be manufactured and made in bulk. So that in combination with being so cheap and has a high potency for abuse makes you rank it up here. Now, fentanyl debts have been rising about... Eight thousand three hundred thirty-five, according to the CDC in two thousand sixteen. So it so people are getting their hands on it, and it's and it is uh, one of these synthetic opioids, but not really an opioid compound. That's sort of doing a lot of damage and adding to the crisis.
0: Okay, or you said eight thousand
1: or eighteen thousand.
0: Eighteen thousand. Oh, okay, okay, I misheard you. Yeah,
1: eighteen thousand. So, so yeah, so yeah, so it, it, it's up there. It's up there. So, of course, common brand names that uh, are common. Let me see. I'm going to look up what, what street drugs. I'm going to tell my audience what, what, what it could be called on the streets.
0: <laughs> you going to start Googling fentanyl?
1: Yes, I am. Fentanyl. It is called It's called Apache, China Girl, China White, Dance Freever, Goodfella, Jack Potter, a couple of them
0: okay
1: yeah and then and then yeah so as far as its cost so dirt so yeah fentanyl very cheap Eighteen thousand people have died in 2016 of it as far as the health outcomes the health outcomes for fentanyl aren't as bad as the other drugs on the list that's why i rank a little bit lower the most dangerous thing about fentanyl is its high degree for for being addictive because it's so short acting so for all the people out there the more short acting a drug is the more likely it is to be abused because it hits you really fast and it goes away really fast and it leaves your brain wanting for more. So that's what comes in the most dangerous. As I said, when you see the other drugs on the list, there are more dangerous health outcomes in the future for chronic use. Okay. Yep. So moving on to number four, let's go to the heroin slash opioid compounds. So, you know, heroin coming all the way from the other side of the Eastern world. uh, The poppy plant is... And is harvested and the compounds are made into, I said, hydromorphone, morphine, oxycodone, all these compounds. And because of that, we had the opioid crisis that, ha- that happened. So, yeah. So, sorry, let me ask you this. Like, do you know anyone that you're, that was impacted by the opioid crisis yourselves?
0: I uh, don't know anyone personally. Um... I have some friends from uh, rural Tennessee, and they might have had some people, maybe relatives, family, friends, or just somebody who knew somebody. Um, I only say that just because of how hard uh, rural America has been hit by, um, like the opiate epidemic specifically, like how, like the numbers of uh, addiction and overdoses in those communities compared to those numbers in other places.
1: Okay. And it and compared to the America, it was a big problem. So for all you that know in the 90s, there was a huge overprescription of opioids. You know, as I say, questionably, but a huge hand was the pharmaceutical industry overprescribing them to make money on it, as well as other government agencies and private stock uh, stakeholders of their own interests. But that combination led to this overprescription, which led to a huge American independence on opioids. Uh, because pain painkiller prescriptions in the U.S., they tripled from... From seventy-six million to to about two hundred and twenty million dollars, I mean, for, I'm sorry, from seventy-six million to two hundred and twenty million prescriptions, in about a twenty-year period between nineteen ninety and two thousand and ten, and and because of that, a lot of people have been uh, going to back to other methods like heroin, uh, methamphetamines, and other drugs because it just opened the door for it when they couldn't be prescribed it anymore, and it was partly caused by us doctors as well too. Being a little loose and over prescribing a drug that we probably should have studied a little bit more before we pushed it like this. So it was a little bit of everybody's fault. So no one party to blame. But yeah, because of that, it's changed the way we look at painkiller drugs right now, especially with governments uh, being more strict in, in prescribing them. So don't get me wrong, you can still, you break your leg, yeah, you get some morphine. You got cancer pain, yes, you'll get some hydromorphone. But you know what I mean? If you have some back pain, no. If you're ha- if you have uh if you're having some upset stomach don't even come at me like that brother I'm gonna swat it away like dwight howard on the block back in two thousand and what eighteen oh, i don't know two thousand eight two thousand eight i think that was his heyday right yeah swat that swat those prescriptions away so you're not laughing side that was a funny joke
0: uh you were kind of stretching for that one he's he's been on such like, his career has taken such a downward turn that it's – yeah, you, you uh, had to stretch for that one, bro.
1: Yeah, I I did, but I'm sorry. For those who know, I'm a big Orlando Magic fan. I love Dwight Howard. It pained me to see – I don't like to see him lose, but it's just a, it's just unfortunate. Like, he could have been one of the great ones in Orlando, but just never was.
0: Yeah, but it's his fault. He kept wanting to be some sort of major superstar, and he wasn't happy being in Orlando. So, you know. I guess you can go someplace else. Keep searching yes. for whatever you were missing. C'est la vie.
1: Man. C'est la vie. But, anyways, but anyways yeah. yeah, back to heroin. Right, so back in 2016, work. according to the CDC, six, 16,000 people died of heroin related deaths. As far as the cost of heroin, so opioid, so heroin or opioid compounds, so opiates themselves, they are about, they can range from about 50 to a couple hundred dollars a prescription. You know, the stronger ones costing more. So they're definitely more pricier than fentanyl. And I would say the degree of addiction compared to fentanyl is, I would say, about the same because, the, as I said, fentanyl is a distant compound of opioids, but not the same thing. So they would have about the same addiction index, I would say, as far as the health outcomes for opioids go. So opioids develop. You can develop a, a strong dependence. So, again, as far as the actual health comes, not as bad compared to other drugs like I said, tobacco and the rest of the drugs on the list it just causes severe addiction where that it just you or the the social fabric of your life just falls apart. You know what I mean? Like, I think I heard us like, for instance, I heard a story in back in Tampa where, uh, three or like this one girl addicted to heroin, won a $20,000 lottery ticket, but, but, you know, goes and buys more heroin right after that and said, you know, trying to pay some bills or change her life. It's a powerful addiction. And because of that, you make poor life decisions and overall put yourself in high risky behaviors and get in trouble with the law as well, too. As well as distance yourself from families. Like, like, I said, like, it's one of the saddest things to see, like, families give up on their own kids who are addicts because they know they're going to come home and steal. Like, it happens more than you think, Side, and that's what I mean. Like, finding resources for these folks is hard. It was very hard, my friend. But...
0: is the Is the stuff you're talking about with the heroin addiction, is that common to... Um, is that common to addiction generally, though? As far as like the the inability to make good decisions and stuff like that, or the drug, or addiction preventing you say from making good decisions. The
1: addiction to the drug prevents you from making good decision. I would say that I will say like the opioids are more addictive than probably a couple other things on the list, but as I said, like but the dick, so they're less. They i'm yeah. Let me start over. Let me start over. Said opioids. It's, it's a tricky subject, but. I would say that opioids are probably more addictive than stuff on the list, but not as bad health consequences. So yeah, you're going to, so because you're not taking care of yourself, your teeth are going to go to, are going to go to waste. You're not going to eating properly. So you're going to have bad skin. Your hair is going to fall out and it'll just make you look older than you are. You know what I mean? Yep. Okay. Plus the side effects of opioids would put you most at risk for at Overdosing respiratory depression. And that's when you know you see people come in to give like the squeeze of Narcan in the nose. But the biggest side, yeah, respiratory depression and just not breathing if you overdose. So that's so that's the, the biggest complication acutely. As far as long term, it is just said the side effects of chronic addiction.
0: Hmm? Okay, all right. Uh, number three is number cocaine. Three is
1: cocaine, as Rick James would say, that is a hell of a drug. Was, was that Rick James that said, or was the Dave Chappelle pretending to be Rick James? Do you remember, say? Okay, No, it was
0: Rick James. It was when Charlie Murphy was doing the Charlie Murphy stories about, like, Rick James and his life as, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy's brother as Eddie Murphy was just starting to get, like, super mm-hmm. globally famous. That's
1: right. That's right. So, yes, cocaine is a hell of a drug. So, made from the cocoa plants, cocaine is one of the drugs that is probably, say, not as bad in terms of as, as addiction, uh, compared to opioid and fentanyl so it's a little bit more hard to be addictive to from from my experience and from seeing people do it however i would say that the cost is definitely more so so the cost of coke
0: COVID- so not from
1: experience oh? oh yeah just go- yeah because working mm-hmm. a doctor i volunteered done psychiatry rotations where people have told me like which drugs are hardest to come off of as well as just doing some research on myself uh but it's sort of like but the thing about addiction is
0: say you did research on yourself no, with cocaine
1: no, no that was a lie for, for those in the audience cocaine is a hell of a drug and is a very bad drug i do not advocate the use of cocaine and i do not use cocaine but no
0: <laughs> oh yeah i was. I thought you said you tried it no, no no i was like what
1: i've talked to a lot of people who have tried it and they and, and along with other drugs they tell me like which drugs are the most addictive and hardest to give up you know what i mean yeah, so like oh, okay, of the easier I got you. ones that people told me to give up was cocaine and uh, weed. Some of the harder ones that they've had to give up was uh, opioids, specifically heroin, as well as actually tobacco.
0: Okay, yeah, I've, I've heard tobacco. Toba- well, I've heard alcohol withdrawals are can be deadly, and tobacco is one of the hardest substances to stop and never mm-hmm. turn back to.
1: Yep, yep, but- Cocaine is up there as well, as well, as as very well, but so pretty much cocaine is very expensive. So pretty much, uh, for what, so an eight ball of cocaine, which is like, you know, your standard division where you buy cocaine costs about $50 and usually it doesn't last very long from what I've heard because, you know, cocaine is one of those, it's a very fast acting drug as well. So I said with opioids, like opioid like for fentanyl, it's about 30 to 60 minutes. Uh, I mean, it's 30 to 60 seconds, uh, for it, for it to take full effect. Uh, it's about the same, about a minute or two for opioids and morphine, for cocaine. Let me double check my, make sure I don't tell the folks misinformation. It is, cocaine's half life is one hour, so it takes so yeah, so pretty much in about a, so pretty much an hour. So and since it doesn't last as long as like you know other drugs, you have to keep doing it. So. Uh, like I said, from stories I've told, people said they bought multiple eight bowls throughout the night once they're partying to get it done, and sometimes just like a regular one to go throughout the day. But that costs about $50 uh, if for average stuff, and it can cost even more for like better quality. So as far as the but the thing I don't like about cocaine is the health outcomes for cocaine are worse. So you know how I said that heroin and fentanyl, side effects are more like you know the side effects of chronic addiction in terms of having your life fall apart and not taking care of yourself. So yeah, with cocaine, cocaine can actually have people achieve a higher level of functioning because it's a stimulant. So it being a stimulant, it, it makes you, it makes you like focus, like heart rate goes up, your mind's sharper. You can see a little bit better. It just keeps, keeps your senses on point. Sound like you're going to say something side.
0: No, no. I was thinking uh, with, so going to private school, that's the first, uh, being at Jesuit high school, that was the first time I was around cocaine uh, or, or knew or met anybody who did cocaine. Uh, and then going to Vanderbilt because it's law school and a lot of addiction is really the legal profession is the number one profession for suicide okay. and drug addiction. There were quite a few classmates that would abuse either cocaine or Adderall simply because of what you just said, the ability to focus, uh, the um you know, being able to lock in more intensely. Uh, They would use, I I heard Adderall abused more often, but cocaine could be abused as well uh, to increase focus, like during finals time. Uh, And I heard it like some of the larger law firms in the country, like when people have Mm -hmm. gone to visit that they've um, uh, met lawyers who were, you know, using cocaine and stuff pretty openly. Yeah. I
1: said, doctors are pretty bad too, but we'll do it a little bit more secret. But you lawyers are just some wild boys when it comes to when it comes to that stuff. You know what I mean? Just, just, just say it, just, just say it, man. Uh, but besides that, what was like, like, let me ask you this, like we say like you've seen more people higher functioning on cocaine to that point compared to like, you know, say like opioids or painkillers.
0: Uh, I wouldn't say like higher functioning. Uh, because cocaine has this tipping point where it can make you, it can make you more alert, but then it can also take you to being like a very hyper, disgusting mess. Uh, and I would say the people that I've been around that have, when they were doing cocaine, and I noticed they were doing cocaine, they were like the hyper, disgusting mess more than just someone who was like okay. more alert.
1: Okay. Because uh, like it, it's, 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 the thought is that just because it's more of a stimulant, it keeps you focused. That's why people are like higher performers on it. You know what I mean? Like, which which I can sort of believe, but yeah, it's very, but I said that, but even though it makes you, but it's a trade-off in terms of the trade-off for the short-term higher functioning and euphoria, it causes the bad health complications in terms of your blood vessels. Specifically, it can mess up your brain and your heart with cocaine. It can cause a dangerous, what we call a cocaine induced cardiomyopathy or heart, uh, pretty much like a heart, Disease induced by cocaine, which can lead into sudden cardiac arrest and death. You know what I mean. And in terms of the long term use, yeah. ah, there are build Spoke like Scooby Doo for a second, man. But in terms of the long term use, it can be dangerous to the blood vessels of the brain, putting you more likely at risk for strokes, as well as uh, other ischemic or decreased blood flow to the brain. And overall, it can cause like personality changes as well and uh, damage to the heart blood vessels as well too so overall it just messes up all your blood vessels and i've seen a lot of patients who have come in with with dementia that is that was worsened by cocaine you know abusing cocaine their entire life and when they're you know late 40s early 50s they're having strokes and because of that uh they're just not back at their self because once the brain dies there's nothing you can do about it
0: yeah uh so cocaine's bad that's uh that's the message here. But there are, so based on the list that you have, one question I had about the list you put together is, it doesn't seem that the drug, the, the deaths that are caused by the drug were the necessary biggest part of uh, mm-hmm. your ordering because cocaine has 11,000 annual deaths, whereas fentanyl has 18,000 annual deaths or heroin has 16,000. So what is it about? Is it purely the long-term risk um, like a stroke or heart attack that makes it more dangerous even though the annual deaths are about five to 8,000 right. people less? So,
1: yeah. So even though, yeah, cocaine, the deaths are less. But I would just say like in terms of like a healthy lifestyle, like it's impossible to do it on cocaine just because you're, you're putting yourself such at risk for such complications. Like these complications from cocaine – are worse because uh, you because when someone gets off fentanyl or gets off opioids, you know what I mean. Like most of like long, in the long term, they'll be much better off than someone addicted to cocaine. So here, I like but that said, the bad term side effects are cocaine. As I said, like I, when you're when you're 42 years old and you have a heart attack, and you and it was due to cocaine, that's a huge problem. You know what I mean? Heart failure in your early 40s, that's not that's not right. You get off opioids once you get o- past, like, you know, the, the mental aspect of it. Uh, not really much other health complications.
0: Okay, so you're saying the the level of health you can get back to if you're able to, um, you know, recover as in if recover from the addiction, uh, the health that you can achieve uh, is much higher. Uh, for as a former user of fentanyl or a former user of heroin than if you're a former user of cocaine you can get closer to living a healthy uh, being a healthy person and living a healthy lifestyle on something other than cocaine Right. okay all right so that was to me that was a little confusing initially but I, i understand what you're saying like even if you're clean and not using cocaine long term you can still end up dealing with some sort of side effect of prolonged cocaine use, even years after you get clean and you stop using cocaine. Yes, sir. Okay, well, uh, now we have number two, which is meth. And again, so the deaths for the number of deaths, annual deaths for meth are 7,000, which is the lowest of the Mm -hmm. four meth, cocaine, heroin. Is this another situation or instance where the long term damage is just far greater than any other drug that we see out oh, yeah.
1: there so that so the thing we ha- so the thing for meth got to know it's cheap it's nasty and it's going to kill you because okay. said, meth is one of those drugs. The- because <laughs> i said like so in terms of the cost said meth is dirt cheap to make it can be, you, you can buy most ingredients mm-hmm. at, to buy to make meth in like a local store I'm not, I don't know all the ingredients, but it's like, you know, just a bunch of like household cleaning products and some base and a couple other things that you can get from a store. So it's super cheap to make and anyone can do it. It's also one of the most dangerous drugs to make as well too. So that Breaking Bad, that was no joke. The fumes from meth, the liquids, they can lead you for chemical burns, inhalation damage. Just making the meth is extremely hazardous. Anyone, even if you're not in the direct room, just the fumes can make anyone sick. And, uh, suffer with, like I said, inhalation burns, mm. chemical problems, uh, just with just with the, making it after that, as far as the addiction threshold, it's about as addictive as cocaine, most likely not as addictive as say it's opioids, just because it's not as quick acting. So for methamphetamine, the half-life is, let me pull up my notes. Half-life about four to six hours. So not as long. So yeah, so because it's a little bit longer, so it's just because it's a little bit longer, people will feel this drug more. So commonly you'll see meth heads that, you know, I'm sorry to say meth heads, but people are addicted to meth and those abusing it. they'll, They'll not sleep for days upon hours because the drug is still in their system from chronically abusing it. With a lot of the short-term agents, you, you know, what I mean, you're more likely to get knocked out because by the time it wears off or you hit your high, you might fall asleep because it gets out of your system so fast. But meth, since it stays in there longer, uh, it keeps stays in your system long, it stays in your system longer, and that's what prolongs people like to not sleeping. It has some, it has awful long-term side effects because it's so dirty and it's a stimulant that affects your brain. You get a lot of personality changes and mood disorders for chronically abusing it as well as more likely at risk for stroke and heart attacks, just like cocaine is because they're both stimulants which sort of get your heart racing and make it work much harder than it's supposed to. And you and uh, I said, long-term complications, personality changes, uh, mood disorders, uh, people just overall just not acting themselves along with, of course, the typical stuff with addiction and then severe weight loss, as well as hallucinations and paranoia. So, yeah, this drug doesn't make people demented. And, of course, you know the most common combination the, – the most chronic thing that you can do to – I mean the thing that you can see if chronically are abusing it would be meth mouth. So, you know, meth mouth is just that once you inhale it, the, the chemicals are so bad, it directly damages your teeth and your teeth fall out. So whenever you see someone with, like, teeth falling out in, like, their 30s, you might want to suspect they've been abusing some meth.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. well. So I really appreciate that you made alcohol the number one drug on your list. The reason for that is that it just in. I don't know if it's a a Western thing, a U.S. thing or if it's just more or if it's a global thing, maybe it's maybe it's just more maybe it's an everywhere sort of thing. But the way we view addiction and drugs, we don't ever associate alcohol with drugs uh, or addiction. We don't associate with addiction in the same way. We definitely don't associate it with drugs and drug abuse, but alcohol is a drug. It does have a mind, uh, it can alter our mindset. Um, The prolonged impact of alcohol can be just as detrimental um, as almost any other drug. Uh, There is the risk of overdose, uh, just like with meth, cocaine, heroin, Mm -hmm. or fentanyl. Um, You know, we need to be very careful and cautious about how we define drug use because if that definition is too narrow, we will put ourselves at risk to abuse certain substances that are addictive or that we can easily become addicted to simply because we weren't looking at it as the drug that it actually is.
1: So a lot of people just sort of like skip over it.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it it is in fact, and that again, with the legal profession is a very big issue. We would have alcohol every week on campus. We would have, you know, one to two events a week outside of school that was basically focused on alcohol. Mm -hmm. And again, the legal profession is very alcohol or uh, drug abuse. Drug addiction is incredibly, is an incredibly common issue, major issue within the legal profession. Um, So the fact that we were constantly pumping overly stressed, overworked young people who were still developing their coping skills and their ability to, to manage stress uh, full of alcohol, you know, Two, three, four days a week, that was a very, very dangerous thing that most schools do. Uh, a lot of law firms. Like, who doesn't do live out? You know, I
1: mean, it's, um, it's a good idea. But yeah, you know, I mean, it. But an execution, it could be better.
0: Well, just we need to recognize that it is a drug. And I mean, it's like if nobody goes to their job unless you work in like the weed industry and just says, yeah, it's, you know, Friday and you're stressed. Here's a whole bunch of pot brownies and a whole bunch of joints. But for some reason, if, you know, you work in a a lot of jobs, you know, corporate America or otherwise, if you're stressed out, you know, here's some wine, here's a beer, go, you know, a Coke and rum. It's like, if that's how you're teaching someone to manage stress, then you're basically laying the foundation for addiction. You know, if you go home every day and you need a glass of something or a bottle of this or or a cup of that, just to be able to, like, settle your nerves, calm down and relax after a hard Mm -hmm. day on the job. You know, you may want to you know, determine if that is your choice, or if you basically feel as though you have to do it and you cannot de stress without it, because that would be something you may want to, you know, just evaluate.
1: Why? Why? And why do you think so? Alcohol is definitely the most popular one that people like to use, and you know, what I mean, albeit through the media, I mean, I see more alcohol commercials than I do for, I would say, I like a lot of other things. You know what I mean? So let me ask you this side. So first, so first of all, to get through the list, as far as the cost of alcohol, alcohol can be as cheap as like you know one of those one dollar bottles at the gas station or at the liquor store, to the finest bottle of Louis the Thirteenth, running you a few thousand dollars. Anyways, uh, besides it being besides the cost of it, alcohol is addictive. So I said alcohol works works in the brain on the GABA receptor. So the GABA receptor is also a downer receptor it also works on uh, the same also benzodiazepines work on the same receptor and it's a downer it's meant to, it's meant to like you know decrease brain uh, signals and sort of take take the edge off you that's sort of why people equate to like you know a drink to taking the edge off however uh, it is though it can be very addictive with more people being prone to addiction than others especially if there's a family history of alcohol uh, addiction now as far as uh, the the healthcare costs it's it's pretty expensive it's pretty expensive to co- it's pretty expensive and it's very damaging to the body alcohol is toxic to the heart and the liver most notably so in the heart it pretty much gives you a bigger heart and with a bigger heart it has to work harder to pump because it's not because it's a little bit more floppy than it was and with the liver it can cause liver damage to liver cirrhosis to even liver cancer and then another organ that it does damage is the brain to manage too much alcohol over time. It can develop what we call Wernicke's encephalopathy and encephalopathy. just think about it as any type of damaging event or disease of the brain. And because of that, people are more likely to have mood disorders, forgets be uh, short term things as well as just overall more likely at risk for like seizures and other, another dementia type of, uh, complications. And with 88,000 deaths, according to the CDC, from alcohol in 2016. So, on most, and to say, like with alcohol, it's not just from straight overdose on alcohol, it's, you know, alcohol induced work injuries, traffic accidents, and just accidents in general. You know what I mean? Alcohol, yeah, because, you know, alcohol, because with alcohol, like, you know, downer and loosening your inhibitions, you're more likely to act on them. And with it being legally accessible, it definitely makes it the most dangerous, in my opinion for abuse. In moderation it's fine, but for abuse, very dangerous. Like what do, what do you think about that side?
0: Well, everything everything you said makes sense. The the thing that uh one thing to add is that uh you see a lot of crimes uh committed that are not motivated by alcohol but uh, caused by drunk people. Uh, we look at them as, you know, sort of the funny things like you see on a YouTube video of some drunk guy like running into a wall or into a glass and like shattering the glass and oh, he trespassed and he broke in. Uh, but there are a lot of uh, cases of domestic violence, um, assault and battery. Um, you know, there are a lot of violent offenses that are basically caused by the quote unquote liquid courage. um. So when we talk about alcohol being a drug yeah we see a lot of we see a lot more people who don't abuse alcohol than you know people who don't abuse meth or don't abuse cocaine or don't abuse heroin or don't abuse fentanyl absolutely there are millions of people who use alcohol that do not abuse alcohol but you have millions and maybe more who do abuse alcohol or cannot right. stop and, themselves from abusing alcohol. Because any, anyone can sell it to you. It's the, so easy
1: to get.
0: Well, not just that, but some people just... Like, what, whatever you're addicted to... One, one, one thing that irks me when people talk about, like, marijuana being a gateway drug is that when people talk about marijuana being a gate, a gateway drug, they never mention that a lot of people who struggle with addiction got their start on alcohol and tobacco before going on to the more intense or stronger substances. But for some reason, we don't necessarily look at alcohol and tobacco as being addictive and harmful substances. Like we acknowledge that tobacco increases the risk of lung cancer. Uh, we know that alcohol makes it in- incredibly hard for you to make smart decisions You know, while drunk. Um, but we we just for some reason we don't necessarily acknowledge them or look at them the same way that we do other drugs. While we do still recognize the potential for abuse and the detrimental impact of those substances, um, you know, if they're abused and overused.
1: And said like it's, it's, I think it's just like a society thing that people just going to realize that you know alcohol is going to. Listeners out there said Aussie alcohol is one of those things that is that's pushed onto us. Is like a, you know, sort of like the answer to our problems, or something, or like a nice thing to turn to, you know what I mean? Like on I mean, the alcohol, like who doesn't want to grab a Corona with two hot chicks on a beautiful beach, you know what I mean? They equate that to you, so that when you think of alcohol, you think of that feeling or that sensation you get, you know, being happy or doing what you want to do. So you just got to realize, so people just be out, just realize that it's going to be pushed on you. You just need to have the the self control and the knowledge just to keep it in moderation. Said nothing nothing's wrong with a little bit of drink. I, I like I like a little whiskey every now and then. actually took a sip on one earlier today. Uh, but yeah, it's all fine in moderation. But when it comes to abuse, you like I said, that's where all the complications of these drugs come from. So again, just to list up, heroin. I mean, sorry, number five was fentanyl. Fentanyl, very cheap, super quick acting and addicting. Overall, not, not as many long-term consequences. Opioids, higher... Probably most addictive thing on the list, uh, more costly. But because of the opioid crisis, it, it was made a whole bunch worse. And because of the opioid crisis, it led to an increase in heroin. Then we have cocaine. So cocaine is a bad. It's a stimulant, very damaging to the blood vessels of your brain and your heart. Can be pretty expensive, but there are cheaper forms that people do abuse, as we haven't seen in our profession, like Adderall. And going to our next one, number two, meth which is, works in the same way as cocaine but much cheaper to make and much more hazardous to your body. It's more likely going to damage your brain for long-term use, Chain, uh, memory problems, causing some paranoia, some hallucinations, as well as that terrible, terrible mouth, meth mouth to look at. And then number one is alcohol, the most available drug but kills more people every year than any other drugs and costs about $79 billion in all crime-related expenses. Even though it's not bad in moderation, please make sure you guys you keep it in moderation. And for all the folks out there, I also am a believer in seeking help. So I said as doctors, uh, we always want to seek help uh, and have our patients seek the same help that we would want to seek. So for the national helpline for the national drug and substance abuse helpline, it's one 662 help. Again, one 662 help, and we can post that link in the description.
0: Yeah, definitely. That'll be in the description. Um, and that's if it, for, uh, it's called Sam Hassa. Sam is sort of the national leader in all things, uh, related to drug, uh, use, abuse, or addiction. Um, if there's any extra information or, you know, resources that you're searching for, uh, Sam SAMHSA, S-A-M-H-S-A, that's a good place to start looking as well. Um, so I get we've covered uh, the one thing that you also had on the list was scheduled versus non-scheduled drugs. Uh, what did you want to go into with that? What does that mean? Uh, is that a medical thing? Is that just something oh, that yeah. everybody so, should yeah, be so aware
1: of? Pretty much just to give the a difference between scheduled and scheduled drugs. So, uh, so scheduled drugs are the ones that are scheduled by the government that we are, that either are not hundred percent legal or have a little bit of trouble because Getting legal status because of its potential for abuse, versus non-schedules are you know any drugs that you can uh, get over the counter.
0: Okay, and then the non-scheduled you said the non-scheduled is over the counter, scheduled is the illegal or the substances that have a high risk or potential right, right. for abuse.
1: So yeah, so just an, so it's just an example, there are five. Uh, so there are five class of drug schedules that all have potential for abuse so as far as we have schedule five which is like minimal abuse so that may be like uh it's like a, like tra- like for instance like tramadol tramadol is a painkiller but very low potential for abuse number four uh potential for for less abuse would be like a benzodiazepines or like valium or uh percocet not not percocet valium got listening to got too much future on the on the head Molly Perkis said, Z- no, Z- it's Z- Xanax and Ativan. That's what I was thinking, Ativan. And then number three, less abuseful and have minimal narcotic effects. And sort of class three is sort of like mixed between br- three and four, but they just have potential for abuse, but minimal. And then class two are the ones that have high potential for abuse. That includes cocaine, amphetamines, oxycodones, and mainly any type of stimulant. And the number one scheduled are the drugs that have no accepted medical use. So for instance, marijuana is actually a schedule one drug. That's why there's, that's why, you know, people want to do a lot more research to see if there is a potential use for, mar- for marijuana or the compounds in it, AKA that CBD research I told you about. I'm trying to see if any of the, co- the CBD compound in marijuana has uh, potential effects and that could change its classification. But for right now it's said, it's just like the drugs that you know are drugs that have no just really there's nothing you're going to use it for. LSD, heroin, marijuana, the big ones in there.
0: Okay. all right. Uh, well, the last thing we have left are the core questions. If yeah, you want well, to jump let's in let's into those
1: now.' on the core side, let's do it.
0: All right, number one. What are some things that patients do that drive okay, nurses so crazy the,
1: the biggest thing that will drive your nurse crazy folks if you do, if you do have guests over make sure they clean up after themselves I have the, the worst time I've seen a nurse get upset is when this patient she had her family over you know three kids and a couple adults pizza boxes all over the place stuff was was all, was all spilt and she asked the nurse to clean it up Come on, guys. Nurses, they are not the house staff. They are not maids. They are there to take care of your medical needs, people. So please be considerate when you have guests over. Okay.
0: Uh, number two, how does overeating lead to obesity in some, but not okay, in Okay. So
1: for some people, some people might just have different uh metabolism and and uh, there's nothing you can do about that. So as, as far as body, body types go, there are three general body types, folks. You got the ectomorphs, which is like your long, lanky, skinnier people. Your, your mesomorphs, which is like you know, the really athletic, fit-looking people. And the endomorph, your, your stockier, muscular type of person. So maybe if you're – so probably ectomorphs probably could eat a little bit more. But since their metabolism is so high, they have a lot of trouble gaining weight, even if they are overeating. Uh, that's been a problem a lot of mine with a lot of my skinnier patients. Well, you know, on the other side, say an endomorph, if you have more of a shorter stock of your body, you'll see that if you're not eating right, you can put on pounds fairly easy, even if you think you're eating appropriately. So I think based on your body type and people's metabolism could affect whether or not some people can eat the same amount, yet some people gain weight, but other people can't gain a pound to save their life. For me, I'm definitely like, a, I'm definitely like the endomorph, okay. mesomorph type of, type of guy. What about you?
0: Uh, I'm in between mesomorph and endomorph. Yeah,
1: but as I said, no one is big boned, though. If someone says I'm just big boned, That that's just a cop-out. No, you just got to work with your body type, folks. We, we don't do excuses here at healthd.com.
0: Well, it's not so much an excuse, it's just ridiculous. Like, the idea that your bones would be bigger, which would increase the fat distribution in your body or or where your <laughs> fat is or how much fat you have, that's... I mean, let it's, it's, slide. I mean, it there sounds ridiculous some, some to say it out. See what
1: slides.
0: Yeah, but I mean, each and every but uh, that's something like that. I guess is easier for someone to wrap their head around than um than everybody's body is a little bit different, so everybody's going to process breakdown and uh, respond okay. to fat and food differently. Yeah.
1: Okay. Real well, quick, I just saw schedule, schedule, three drugs, so I did schedule 3 drugs. So a lot of Schedule 3 drugs. It's ketamine, which is like an anesthetic. Uh, it's Tylenol with codeine. So you know that codeine, that stuff that made Lil Wayne look like a crab apple. And uh, anabolic steroids. You've seen Lil Wayne's site? Like, Lil Wayne looks, he looks sick, man. I know he's doing all right, but he just don't look good. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, he hasn't looked. He hasn't looked. I don't uh, want to say healthy, I, but he hasn't I looked good for Little a while Wayne too. But why? I, I
1: just hope he could just be like Gucci. You know, Gucci kicked everything to the curve. He's looking good. I just want my man, Little Wayne, to like you know just you know kick some things to the curve and get healthy. Yeah,
0: yeah, we'll see with Lil Wayne. But why well, are steroids on schedule three?
1: So the scheduled drugs are drugs that have like a high potency for abuse, but very minimal stuff to treat. Like to give someone anabolic steroids, there's only like a very few indications. It's like if someone's, like, having, like, growth hormone insufficiency or hasn't hit puberty yet, okay, maybe, but besides that, they are hugely abused, especially, like, you know, this uh, whole, like, you know, male body image culture. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's seen a right. lot of steroids. Yeah, I've uh, seen people use steroids quite, quite constantly. been offered it a few times, but, yeah, as I said, like, that's another discussion. The long-term benefits, long-term costs of steroids, I've also another thing which outweighs the short term gains, bro.
0: Yeah. But I mean people some people who are putting in that much intense work feel that they need that for that's a competitive true. advantage.
1: But ain't no doctor gonna prescribe it to them. At least I ain't. At least I ain't.
0: <laughs> well I that's you true. some of
1: that money, boss. Nah, nah, nah. I'm joking. I'm joking.
0: <laughs> yeah, it would well be careful, man. In case you gotta you know, some review boards like, hey, we heard your podcast. Oh, like and you oh, XYZ. Thank you heard X, that. Y, Thanks for
1: listening. thank you. for listening. Thank you for listening. No, no, no. Trust me, you're never gonna see me prescribe anabolic steroids to anybody. Uh, that's, that's a job for an endocrinologist, not me. Endocrinologist, a hormone doctor. Yeah. Yep. Alright. Okay. Oh, it's it okay. like a sidetrack. Gotcha. I got like one question left. Okay. No, I'd say we got, like, one question left. I think we got, like, one more core question to knock out. Okay, good stuff. No, good you, stuff. we only had two. All right. But, yes, I, I think it's right. a good, good episode. Just Yeah, so, again, man, every drug has a potential for abuse. As I said, just make sure you recognize uh, – you can recognize these drugs on the list and just know for yourself what the what the long-term – Uh, health risks are to whatever short-term gain you can get and for anyone of those who are struggling with addiction or know someone is so just call the helpline and they'll be happy to give you some free advice to get you a place to start y'all take it easy be happy be healthy
0: all right the opinions provided should not be viewed as medical advice and remember please consult with your doctor before making any changes to your diet or habits thanks again for listening guys